Section 22 of Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Zoinkmeister Patrick, youtube.com slash Zoinkmeister. Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages by Wilhelm Wagner. Section 22, Part 2nd, The Nibelung and Kidrid Legends. Section 2, The Nibelung's Woe. Chapter 1, King Etzel's Wooing. Some welcome guests arrived at Worms. Margrave Rudiger of Beckeloren, surnamed the Good, came with some of his warriors to the Burgundian court. Gunther, Gernot, and Hagen were old acquaintances of his, and he had often held young Gesellher on his knees as a child. Now that he came to the House of Mourning, his gentle, noble spirit had such an effect on Kremhild that she would sometimes accompany her mother to the hall and listened to the Margrave with a gentle smile such as had not been seen on her face since her hero's death. But if Brunhild or Hagen entered, she would go away at once. Days and weeks passed on, and at last Gunther said to his guest that he fancied the Margrave had not come merely for the pleasure of renewing an old acquaintance, but had something on his mind. Then Rudiger answered, Well, King Gunther, I will tell you what brings me here. You know that good Queen Helch, the faithful helpmeet to my liege lord King Etzel, died some years ago, and that her son were slain in battle by the Wittich. The king of the Huns has long sat lonely in the wide halls of Etzelblerk, but he has now made up his mind to marry again. He consulted me on the subject, and I advised him to try and win the hand of the noble lady Kremhild, your sister and the widow of the heroic Siegfried. If you will give your consent to the match, I am empowered to say that she shall be queen of the Huns. She is no longer under my charge, was his answer. She is queen of the Nibelungs and of the Netherlands, and I fear that she will not be willing to marry again. I will tell her the good news, said Gisselher, and mother you two will advise her to do as we wish. The young warrior immediately rose and went to the woman's apartment. He found his sister busied as usual with her embroidery. He told her that it was time she should give up grieving so much for her dead husband, and reminded her that she was still young and might yet be happy. Then he told her what Rudiger had related of Etzel's court, its greatness and its glory, and finally told her of Etzel's wooing. But Krimhild answered with solemn firmness that she would not leave the grave mound in which all she loved was buried. Then Mother Ute spoke. If you will be Etzel's queen, my child, you will be the most powerful of women. Most powerful of women, repeated the daughter thoughtfully. Look, Gisilter, she went on, pointing to her embroidery. You know whom that hero is intended to represent? He shook his head, and she added, It is Wally the Avenger, of whom our father said he revenged Baldur, and sent Dark Holder to his own place. These are old wives' stories that are forgotten now, answered Gisilter. Let us speak of him in whose name good Rutherger has come to woo you. Yes, but what if it were to be fulfilled? she asked. Perhaps. Ask the Margrave to come to me, that I may hear his wooing myself. Gesselter left the room, and the Lady Ute went out also, leaving Kremhild alone, as she requested. Siegfried, said the young queen, it is for your sake that I leave your resting place, from whence you have so often come to me, in waking and in sleep and pointed to your wounds, those gaping, bleeding wounds, that will never close until it is granted me 
to send Grimholder down to Darkella. Rutiger appeared, and in courteous fashion wooed the queen in his master's name, but not till he had promised, in the name of the god Ermin, that she should have men to fight her battles when she needed them, did she consent to go to the land of the wild Huns, and to become Etzel's wife. The Burgundians all rejoiced when Rutiger told them the good news, the three royal brothers especially, for now, they thought, their sister would again be happy. But Hagen came to them and said, What are you thinking of that you thus call the lightning down on our heads? Do not give your sister to the king of the Huns. Between the widow of Siegfried and us, such friendship alone can exist as that between fire and water. Either must the one be quenched, or the other fly off in steam. It is a childish action to supply one's enemy with a sword to cut off one's head. But the brothers refused to listen to his warnings. Preparations now went on apace for the journey to Etzelberg. Ambassadors were sent to the Nibelungs into the Netherlands to tell them of the queen's contemplated marriage. They returned with a numerous company of warriors and servants. At length all was ready. The king went with their sister as far as the Danube, where they took leave of her, and Margrave Rudiger took their place as leader of the traveling party. At the borders of the land, King Etzel, with a large following, awaited the queen's arrival. His face lighted up with pleasure when he saw the pale, beautiful countenance of the Lady Krimhelt. He told her that she should have full power over his treasures and his lands, that, in short, she should be his queen. She answered that she would be a faithful and obedient wife, but that her love was buried with Siegfried. The king paid no attention to the last words. He made sure of winning her love through kindness and affection. And so they went on together to Etzelberg. The marriage festivities lasted a fortnight and were celebrated in the usual way. Krimhild took little part in the rejoicings. She did all that she had to do, thinking of Siegfried the while. Now, among the warriors present, there was one who was famed for his unusual strength, Bold Dietrich of Bern. His thoughts were far away in the beautiful land of Ameling which his uncle Emric had taken from him by guile and force. He longed to return to his own people and win the victory for them, but Etzel would not give him the necessary help. Sometimes, as he sat grave and sad in the great hall, while other men were laughing and talking, the queen would go to him and tell him of Hagen's foul deed. He understood that she wished to woo him to vengeance, but he was silent for he neither could nor would raise his sword against the Burgundian warriors who had been his faithful comrades in the olden time. Months and years passed on. A little boy was born to the royal pair. He was the image of his mother and received the name of Ortlieb. The king and country rejoiced equally in the birth of an heir to the throne. For his son's sake, Etzel loved his wife more than he had ever done before and would have given her anything she chose to ask. But she cared for nothing, she remained grave, quiet, thoughtful about her duties, but sparing of her words. Even her little boy, carefully as she tended him, did not bring her happiness. She was never seen to smile even on him. The wound that her first husband's death had dealt her would not heal. The spirit of vengeance, rising out of the abyss, never ceased to whisper in her ears, Blood for blood, murder for murder, and her ears were open to its cry. End of section 22. Recording by Zoinkmeister Patrick. YouTube.com slash Zoinkmeister.